Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. I just wish I could talk to the younger version of myself and say, hey, in less than two years, you will be doubling your salary. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, Anita offers some tips on how to avoid workplace hazards. Everyone listening, when you write something in email, people just might don't. see it. Just don't. Yeah, just, just don't. Just don't do it. It's not worth the potential. Also, Brad laments his new responsibilities as a work-from-home dad. We drive like 20 minutes to and from school, and I'm just like, what? I haven't commuted for work in the last 11 or 12 years. This can't be happening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be diving into our first episode that is looking into a specific Salesforce role and helping to truly understand what it looks like to walk through a day in the life of a Salesforce administrator. So this is going to be a great episode. We're going to have an amazing guest on. And with me today to cover this topic is Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? I am doing well. Yeah, right now I am on a trip. So we are actually glamping. And I wasn't sure if my internet was going to hold up for this episode. So we are running at two to five megabytes per second which is a little scary, but it seems like we're going to make it through based on, you know, the pre-episode. And yeah, so it's pretty exciting to be able to exercise the freedoms of remote work and still be able to get everything you need to get done. So I am looking forward to this. Oh, pretty cool. I don't think I've actually tried glamping yet. What's the difference between glamping and regular camping? Is it the Wi-Fi? Oh, I would <laughs> say it's significantly different. Um, well, I, I guess it depends, right? Because there's so many varieties of just like camping, there's varieties of glamping, but this one is pretty legit. Like we have plumbing and electricity and like a full on like yurt situation. So there's a indoor shower, indoor plumbing, but it's kind of like a flat. Like, I mean, it's basically the same amenities as if I took a trip to New York City and <laughs> rented a flat. So yeah, it's very much not camping at all, but you're sort of at a campsite, if that makes huh. any sense. No, I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can like work while on a trip that makes it convenient. Usually when I'm camping, it's middle of nowhere. Yeah. I was surprised they have satellite internet here and it was really questionable. I know you know that because leading up to this episode, I was super skeptical of like, I don't know if this is going to work and it seems to be pretty stable. So it's exciting. Nice. All right. Shall we uh, record a podcast? <laughs> I guess so. I guess we could do that. Yeah. All right. Well, our guest today is someone who's been a guest before, so he knows the drill. And if you've been following his career path, this guest, he is at 14 certifications. I think he started after me, meaning like our careers maybe started around the same time, but I think he started maybe a little bit after me. So 14 times certified Salesforce consultant. Dennison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I had a more memorable Salesforce admin uh, joke or one-liner to introduce our guests to, but then I'd be spending too much time in the setup. 
Well, that's all right. I'll stick to the classic dad jokes and see if Anita and I can carry it on the humor side, but probably not. Well, it's it's awesome to have you on. And obviously, the goal of this episode is to talk to people and really educate them about what it looks like to be a Salesforce administrator. And I really felt like you'd be the perfect fit, even though currently you're in a Salesforce consulting role. Uh, if I remember correctly, you got your start as a Salesforce administrator. And I really love this topic because I also got my start as a junior Salesforce administrator. And to Anita's point, I'm pretty sure that I started my Salesforce career before Denison, and he still has twice as many certifications as I do. So kudos on challenging yourself and keeping after it. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, what made you decide Salesforce was your deal? And sort of how did you get into that initial Salesforce administrator role? Yeah. So I did not know that Salesforce was going to be my deal. Just looking back at my uh, career before Salesforce, I was a massage therapist and a funny global thing happened in 2020. And that was kind of my push to switch careers from interfacing with people to trying to find a different career where I didn't have to uh, do that. So that's where Salesforce came along. And I stumbled upon the uh, Talent Stacker Career Development Program where I was member number 55. So that program helped me get my foot in the door with my first Salesforce role as a Salesforce administrator. Oh man, 55? I didn't realize you started that far. I think I was member number six. <laughs> that makes my two certifications feel even smaller, but it also should not compare. <laughs> with each other because we're on different paths. <laughs> but anyways, let's jump in to what a Salesforce admin does. Because I remember when I was learning, I was going through Trailhead and like I was learning all this stuff, but I still kind of didn't know what the job entailed. So tell me about your first month at your first admin job. What did you do? Yeah, I actually have two different Salesforce administrator roles that I can touch upon. And we can talk about both and how different they are because Salesforce administration comes in all shapes and sizes. So my one role was at a nonprofit where I was volunteering to uh, basically migrate their pre-existing CRM to Salesforce. And it was a small organization, five users. They didn't have a dedicated Salesforce admin. So that was the work that I had done with that group was uh, kind of helping them get set up with Salesforce, kind of cleaning up some cobwebs because they've had that instance for a while. And then juxtapose that position with my first role in the ecosystem. I worked as a Salesforce administrator in a team of two for a multinational corporation in the telecommunications industry. We had team members spanning multiple countries, so Canada, US, Latin America, small part of Europe, small part of Asia Pacific. Everything accounted for, we had 300 plus users, multiple orgs, sales cloud, service cloud, experience cloud, and as you can imagine, multiple currencies and multiple languages. So very different Salesforce administrator experiences to touch upon. So to kind of answer your question, the day in the life of like that first month, uh, it's different for both, right? So let's chat. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I think when I initially became a Salesforce administrator, and what I see a lot when I look at you know forums is that people seem to have this understanding, even people who are pretty well-versed in the ecosystem, and they've been around for a little while, they seem to pigeonhole Salesforce administrator, the title, into this role of like adding new users 
deactivating old users, maybe creating a report now and then, creating a field now and then, just kind of doing case management for the company from a Salesforce perspective. But to your point, it's always so different depending on the company. It could be a enterprise consulting firm or a small boutique firm or an in-house small team or an in-house huge team. Like it, it totally depends on what the company needs. And my experience was not at all that it was case management. I mean, we were working massive enhancement projects with teams of developers and consultants that came into this in-house company to help us out. And it's all over the board. So I think what I'd like to ask you to at least try to explain, and I, I know once again, this is always going to default to, I would say almost any advice we give is like, hey, this could be different depending on the company. But what is the purpose of the Salesforce administrator from your experience? For instance, like a developer, I would say is, you know, someone who has to be pulled into projects when custom code is needed because standard functionality can't do what is being required by the company. But what does a Salesforce administrator even do? Like, what does that role mean to the company? Yeah, when I think of Salesforce administrator, and I do like to use analogies for Salesforce stuff, I think of like a ship that has set sail and the Salesforce administrator is kind of like looking at all different parts of the ship, right? Like you have all your users who are like passengers on the ship and you are basically in charge of that system or, you know, depending on how you're structured at your organization. But the general idea is you're looking at the different parts of the ship and how it can be improved or like, are you building it at port or are you building it out at sea? So whether that's managing different processes and how they those relate to your business or cleaning up technical debt or, you know, adding a new process, whether that's through automation or integration, all different kinds of initiatives you can take as a Salesforce administrator. It doesn't have to be just add a user. That could be like a few minutes of your time in, in the day. But depending on what project you're working on or the organization that you're working for, you are in the systems and you're engaging with multiple stakeholders internally at your company. So you're getting a chance to work with potentially customer success manager or your sales team or compliance, depending on what industry you're in, all in the realm of your CRM system, which is Salesforce. Wow. I love that. That's an amazing analogy. Well done, Dennison. <laughs> so many questions. I want to go back to where you mentioned the Salesforce admin job at the global telecommunications company, 300 users, two admins. How was onboarding? How was it going into that job? Because that sounds intense. I mean, did they just throw you in? Did they gradually lead you in? Like, tell me about your onboarding experience with that company. Yeah, as you can imagine, it was like drinking from a fire hose, learning the, the company and their Salesforce system and being given tasks that one other person on the team was managing. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that experience because even though it was very intense, I learned so much. And I think that kind of spirit of, just I akin it to if there's a topic that you are very passionate about and can talk about for several minutes, like unprompted, take that energy and try and bring that kind of energy into Salesforce. And I think no matter what role you're in, you'll be very motivated and can go far. So that was kind of what helped me in that role. And to your question about onboarding experience. So I started and I was explained what the company does, how the business runs, 
And then I was also asked to basically audit the org to try and understand it. And in hindsight, I would audit it a bit differently, but that just meant me going into their system and actually clicking around and trying to understand how what was built actually tied to their business processes. So it was a lot of me asking dumb questions for the first several weeks just to understand like what the heck is going on. Because yeah, 300 users and an already existing Salesforce instance not something that you can pick up in a day. <laughs> it's a really good point. And I think everything you mentioned about like drinking from the water hose, and you can sort of hear it as you explain that experience. Like, I think we can all feel like, man, that's a lot of different things that were going on. And I think for the typical listener, like the people we talk to that are maybe newer to the Salesforce ecosystem, maybe maybe they're certified, but they don't have a job yet, or maybe they just started a job or they're just getting started on Trailhead and they're not even sure what all this means yet, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And even when you're just starting on Trailhead, it can be overwhelming, much less to think, okay, now I'm certified. How am I supposed to get experience? Or now I got the job. How am I supposed to do well now that I'm on the job? And every single step can sometimes feel like a lot, like it's a whole new journey. And I'll, I agree that it it is a whole new journey. I remember going back to my first job to shed some light on that. In the first three months, I wanted to quit. Like at about the three-month mark, I was a junior Salesforce administrator. We didn't have Trailhead at the time. So I was just completely new to the whole thing. I was learning the business. I was learning Salesforce. I was literally shadowing my manager going around to meetings and just listening and not understanding anything that was going on for just weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was overwhelming, but my wife is like a, a total type A, like She's pretty strict on me. So she was like, look, Brad, you've got benefits. You've got a full-time job. You get paid every two weeks. It's the same dollar amount. Like you got a legit job and there's no way you're leaving this to just go try to figure out what you want to do next. So I just stuck with it. And I'll say that just three months later, like around the six month mark, it just clicked. And I started to feel like, man, I get it. Like I get how Salesforce works. I get why I'm here at the company and why they need me. I get how the company functions and my sales is here and my support is here and how marketing and accounting and everyone kind of fit together. I don't know it all, but I'm starting to see you know, this picture come together. And I, I wanted to say that because for everyone out there that's hearing Denison talk about drinking from the water hose and sort of hearing about my start, I think that's very normal. And getting into Trailhead for the first time is going to feel overwhelming. And it might take you a month or two months to really start to feel like things on Trailhead are even clicking. And just get ready for that to happen again, because the first time you get into a live org, whether that's a volunteer project or a real company that's giving you a paycheck, you're going to feel that way again. And it's going to be, once again, relearning and understanding and figuring out, but it will all click after you put the time in, it will all click. So all that to say, to sort of lead to the question I wanted to ask you, how do you use resources? Like, who do you go to? What do you go to when you feel overwhelmed or when you feel like, I'm way out of my zone right now. How do you get to a place where you're starting to feel comfortable and things are clicking for you? Yeah, there's a few questions in there. And some of them are a little bit beyond Salesforce administration, right? Like, obviously, knowing yourself and the things that you need to do to relax and recharge when things are overwhelming are things to keep in mind. Uh, in terms of 
Salesforce. Google is your best friend. I don't think anyone expects you to know everything about Salesforce. And the one thing that I always recommend to people is to lean into the Salesforce community, whether it's Talent Stacker or your local community groups. I think back to my previous careers and potentially trying to find people in community groups. And it wouldn't be that many people in my local area for that particular like career. In Salesforce, I can show up to Chicago local community group, and then I can also like go to a different part of the world remotely and still feel that Salesforce ecosystem connection. So that's something that is really great about Salesforce is that the ecosystem, people are very helpful. There's a lot of resources, different forums or different pathways for you to reach out to experts who have been in the ecosystem for much longer than you might have been. And they are willing to give you the time. I have a few people who reach out to me who are just starting out their career, and I'm happy to just hop on a quick call and just give them and just talk. Yeah, I can't stress enough how awesome the Ohana is. Like Everyone is so friendly, and they will help you with any any question and like they won't make you feel bad because <laughs> they probably had the same question when they first started. So Denison, I'm curious what your favorite day-to-day, maybe not day-to-day, but Salesforce admin tasks or things you you really enjoy about that role. When I think back to my admin experiences, what I really enjoyed was getting to see people use the system and explain to me, you know, what they need um, the system to do. That was really a great thing for me to kind of reminisce on is just getting to see these experts in their field and get to kind of see how they operate and something that I might think is super streamlined and efficient to them, it looks like a mess uh, or a confusion. So it helps me kind of stay grounded. You know, I'm not always right or like, even though I am the system administrator, I should keep in mind that there are other people using the system. Yeah, but when you do get it right, it feels so like you feel kind of like a god mode when you solve some issue for someone. It, I think it's like the best feeling troubleshooting. And then, I mean, going through the troubleshooting part isn't the best, but like when you finally get it and the person's like really happy, I mean, that's my favorite part. Yeah. To the listeners right now, users will be impressed by all kinds of things. You might be working so hard on a flow and it might be the most complicated flow you've ever worked on. But you, if you just change like where a field is on a page layout, they might just like throw confetti at you. Like those are the moments that are, are really great to kind of just be like, oh, you know, something so simple that they wouldn't have known how to do that you were able to do for them. Yeah, to Anita's point, that's great. All right, question. And you don't have to answer if you're uncomfortable, but because I've made dumb mistakes. What was your, <laughs> what was your dumb mistake? that you made when you first started. I can go first. Mine was okay. <laughs> I didn't fully understand page layouts and record types and had made changes in production. <laughs> Quickly found out the difference though after that and learned my lesson. Oof. Yeah, mine. So in my first Salesforce admin role, my uh, manager made it very clear to be very careful with production. So I was very scared to make any changes without running through uh, him or any other team member. But I do remember one instance where we made one change and it involved sending emails and 
it was this automated process that was sending like thousands of emails and it was very, very stressful. I didn't hit the button, but that experience kind of colored my future planning and how to work with Salesforce because I got firsthand like witness to this kind of catastrophic event. <laughs> so not me, but I don't know, like when something like that happens, you learn very quickly. A mistake is a great teacher. 100% Brad, come on. What's your story? Oh, I've, I've screwed so many things up. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's my own fault most of the time because I am, I would say like I do operate in the wild, wild west inside of Salesforce, like sandbox is just not happening 90% of the time, which I know is just awful. So it's probably best that I pivoted to career coaching and and not so much inside of orgs anymore, except for our own. <laughs> so I can just screw it up for us. No, my my biggest early mistake was similar to what Dennison described. We had an automation. It didn't send emails. It created tasks. And I did a mass update. And I, and I will say that you know data migrations are now... Um, in my career became sort of my specialty. People don't really like doing data migrations. And I got to a point where I felt very comfortable with them. And for those of you who don't know, that's like taking mass amounts of data from maybe a completely different source that's not Salesforce. And then you manipulate it inside of Excel typically, and then take it and update that into Salesforce. And there's a lot of issues that can occur when you're doing that with overriding data that you shouldn't or creating new records that create duplicates or just anything and everything. And I accidentally created a few thousand tasks for just random employees of the company. And, you know, it doesn't sound that bad because it's internal. And it's like, well, oh, it's just internal people. At least it wasn't customers. And it's true. But really, my credibility rests on the perception of the end users when they talk to me and when they ask me to do things. So it took me a little while to get to a point where they they trusted, like, is this a real task? Or, you know, is this something I should really be doing? Or is this just Brad screwing stuff up again? So that, that was one of my big learning lessons. And I remember walking, I loved my manager and I, I still do. I have a lot of respect for him, but I walked in and I said, I'm going to fix it. And he just looked at me and he said, yeah, you are. And he didn't give me any direction. And I just went back to my desk and I sat down and I fixed it. You, you know, I think a lot of people would be a little scared of that management style. And I'll say that I, at the time I was too, but looking back, I have a ton of respect for him giving me the independence to go fix it on my own and trusting that I wouldn't just double down and screw it up even worse. Um, I've also done the classic things, especially early on. I think I was 22 in my first role and I sent an email that I intended to forward to a coworker that I was good friends with and sort of joke around about someone else and accidentally replied to them. So th that was a very early mistake of learning. Just don't screw around in emails. Like it's not worth, it's not worth the potential. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> listening, when you write something in email, just keep in mind that it might, other people just might don't. see it. Just don't. Yeah. Just, just don't. don't do it. Anything you write down, text, email, Slack, Teams message, just assume that the whole world is going to see it. So <laughs> try to be professional yeah, always. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> so my point in calling out all our mistakes is it's for the audience. Don't be afraid of making a mistake and don't let that deter you into going into this career because you're going to make mistakes. It's fine. We all do it. It's how you recover and how you learn from that going forward. I mean, we're all here. Dennison, 14 times certified. Brad's been in the business forever. Like It's going to happen. So don't let that prevent you from transitioning into this amazing career. I'm going to admit something on this podcast. 
I don't post my failures on my certifications. So <laughs> those certifications, yeah, there was a lot of mistakes that came in getting those certifications. But I am much better after those. Yeah, that's a really good point, Dennison. And I think we're all pretty you know, guilty of not posting our failures, right? It doesn't highlight us. It doesn't make us look good. It doesn't make us feel good. It's almost at those points where I think we remember to highlight our failures when someone else is telling us how beat up they are. Like when they're saying, I failed the admin exam and I just feel like I'm never going to get this. And, you know, unfortunately, there are the situations of like, I failed an exam three times and I just don't think this is meant for me. And usually that's when we remember to share our failures. And I, I think to Anita's point, it's not that we never fail. It's that we keep moving forward and that we can be incredible despite these failures. And even though they feel like an overwhelming thing and it's the biggest deal in our lives at the moment, typically we look back at those failures and realize like all these cliches about failing forward or you never fail, you just learn like it's all true. And it is a cliche, but it's absolutely true. Another thing I wanted to go back on that Anita was talking about was what we love most about our jobs or about being Salesforce professionals. And I want to put that back on you too, Anita, but I'll, I'll share mine real quick. I think to me, learning how businesses actually function. I was always really interested in that. Like even as a kid, I just wanted to know like at the grocery store, like where do all these groceries come from? And then how do we get new ones? And how do they know what to price them at? And like, just how does this whole thing function? And coming into businesses and really learning, like how do they market? And when they market, does it actually work? Is anybody checking to see if that actually works? And when they sell, does email sales versus phone call sales versus door-to-door sales or whatever else, like, does any of it work better than the rest of it? Have we analyzed it? Can we see what it looks like? Is it working? And then going into support and finance and like, how does all of this work together to make the company function like a well-oiled machine? And I remember one company specifically I was working for, I was brand new to the team and this was actually my first part-time job. And for anyone listening, that is not common entry level. This was, I had six years of experience and made a choice to take a part-time job to spend more time with my daughter. And that first job, I was totally new. I was part-time and I came in and I was starting to learn the company and really understand what was going on. And I noticed that they would try to sell to new leads for the first 90 days. So for the first three months, and they would nurture them with emails and they would try to sell to them. And then they would mark these opportunities. So, so the deals that they were working, they would just mark them closed, lost, and basically expired after 90 days. And I noticed they weren't reworking them at all. And they were just dead. They were these dead leads. And I think actually the stage of the opportunity was marked like dead lead. And I remember just saying, you should do something with that. Like there's value there. You might want to remarket to them. And so I actually worked with the marketing team and they started nurturing these leads, just sending little feeler emails to see if they could get you know a little bit of activity out of them. And a lot of them would just immediately unsubscribe, but a lot of them started to open and click and watch videos and you know respond sometimes to the emails. And we started scoring them and we said, well, let's get the sales reps on the phone, like maybe somebody when they have downtime, or maybe it's a new rep who's just being onboarded and they just need some leads to play with to see if they could get a sell. And we started feeding those out and longer story short, I'll, I'll shorten it. Um, basically, we took those leads and in the first six months, they made over $500,000 in sales to those leads. And I remember then talking to the owner of the company who was just like, this is insane. Like they, they only had 60 employees. So $500,000 in revenue was huge without having to buy new leads. 
And we doubled down and we ended up doing a lot with those old leads and really putting purpose behind them. And I just love that you can have not just a job to have a paycheck, not just a job to get your healthcare taken care of or get your retirement account in place, but a job where you're actually respected by management and owners of the company and your skills are truly valuable to the integrity of the business and how it functions. To me, that was the most exciting part of being a Salesforce professional. And I'll also say that interest and those skills and that understanding are what made starting a business of my own that much easier. Truly having an interest in understanding how the business worked was just always a lot of fun. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I wanted to share that. And Anita, I think we have to force you to answer this question. Like, what What is your favorite thing about being a Salesforce professional? Oh, man, I have multiple answers. Work-wise, so I really enjoy process mapping. I know that sounds super nerdy. It's one of those things when I'm working on it, like time just flies by. But I remember creating this process map for like our DevOps process and sharing it with the whole team. And it was really interesting because, you know, each person on the team, they, they focus on their, their one part, but they don't really understand how it's all put together. And being able to present that to a big team and watch people have aha moments and watch them like understand why certain things work the way they work and like how to make it more efficient was, I mean, that was really satisfying for me to just have an impact on a team level. And then the second part I really enjoy is being able to go on vacation and not like, so previous jobs I've had and other people who have had before they go into a Salesforce career, you always have to like request time off way ahead of time. That has not been the case with me. As long as like I do what I need to do and it's not affecting other people, I can pretty much have a vacation when I want to. I mean, limited amount of of PTO, but still like that freedom and flexibility to just be like, I have this trip planned next month. Okay. It's like, I don't even need an approval process. You just send out an Outlook invite that you will be out of office. And and then that's it. It's like mind blowing compared to working in hospitality and other industries where your requests might get denied. What about you, Dennison? Do you have any like favorite parts? Yeah, I guess to touch on, on that, Salesforce has opened up a lot of options. So since I've pivoted in my career to Salesforce, I have not had to go into an office. If that's your jam, there are plenty of roles that will ask you to go into an office in Salesforce. But one nice option is that there are roles where you can work fully remote. And that has been the case for me in all my roles with Salesforce. And just a few examples of where I've taken being fully remote is, you know, I've gotten to work in different areas, different local coffee shops. I've even gotten a chance to work remote all the way from Asia. So Salesforce can take you a lot of places. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share too that my first job was in office. This was 2010. Yeah. I was in office. And after that, starting in you know late 2011, I've never gone into an office again to the point where my daughter's starting kindergarten last year and having to drive her to school every morning. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the time with her. And looking back, I know I'll never regret spending that time with her. But commuting again, like, it's not fun. Like even just like we we drive like 20 minutes to and from school and I'm just like, what? Why am I suddenly commuting? I haven't commuted for work in the last 11 or 12 years. And now I'm commuting to take my daughter to school. This, this can't be happening. But I mean, we've been able to exercise that freedom and it used to give me 
to be completely honest, I used to get anxiety about exercising the privilege and the freedom of being a fully remote, I guess, being in a fully remote profession. And I would just get anxious about like, other people don't have this opportunity. I need to go somewhere. I need to do something unique to the point where one time I was talking to a friend and he was like, man, I really want to go on an RV trip. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I'd never RV'd in my life. And I remember talking to my wife and I went inside and I pitched this idea to her and I thought she was going to say no. And I was cool with that. And she's like, yeah, let's get an RV. Let's try it. What would that look like? And six weeks later, we bought an RV and we left. We rented our house out for a year and we took the RV and we just left. And of course, we mapped it out. Again, my wife being a type A, she was had it all planned out way in advance. And basically, we drove from Florida and, and did basically a lap around the United States and up into Canada. But it was really incredible. There are a lot of days when maybe internet wasn't ideal and I had to go to a coffee shop. Like that was the big, you know, fail. If your internet didn't work, you couldn't tether to your phone or whatever else. You had to drive to a coffee shop. And how awful was that? But otherwise, you got to go wherever you wanted to go. We would wake up in the morning sometimes and just say, I know we were supposed to be here three days, but I don't love it. Let's move on to the next spot. And you could do that. And Salesforce careers award you the freedom to live an incredibly flexible lifestyle. And I think if we could do that, then whatever you can dream from a remote perspective, you can very likely do it. And so, yeah, I mean, just another massive fringe benefit outside of the actual work and actual skills, just the freedom is really remarkable. So I guess next we could talk about, I don't know how comfortable you guys are talking about this. I mean, I'm obviously very comfortable with it. Money. So you don't have to give exact dollar amounts of how much you make or anything like that. But I think it would be great to just touch on you, you know, what this looks like. Are we talking about, um, I would love to hear Denison in your career. We always talked about you know, sixty to seventy thousand dollars entry level, especially when you were joining in. Now we know it's you know just over seventy thousand entry level. What was your experience breaking into the Salesforce ecosystem, and does that match up with what you were looking at, or how has your journey been different than the numbers that we share? It does match up. I would say it actually it falls a little bit lower than the average, uh, but that's also because I didn't really negotiate and just kind of took the first offer just because I really wanted to get my foot in the door. So in hindsight, there are some things I might have been able to negotiate, but I really was just gunning for like my foot in the door. And so I was just uh, hungry and willing to take what came my way. So I did start at uh, $60,000 in salary. And just in a year and a half later, I've uh, doubled that. So hopefully that's some good motivation because uh, at the time in my drinking from the fire hose days, I was often wondering to myself, was this career switch worth it for me? Um, did I make the right choice in switching to Salesforce? I don't know if I'm out of my league or if this is something that's right for me. And I just wish I could talk to the younger version of myself and say, hey, in less than two years, you will be doubling your salary on top of other benefits. So just keep at it. And you have all these other amazing people in the Talent Stacker Network, in the Salesforce ecosystem, who are rooting for you. So just keep at it. That's crazy. I didn't realize you doubled it in a year and a half. When you first pivoted into your first Salesforce job, was that close to double or just a, a small bump from what you were making before? When I switched into Salesforce, it was around double what I was making. So, so you're just actually... doubling. You're mixing <laughs> to double every year and a half. Where does it end? <laughs> and I know, I know you're like a really motivated person. What, what is your 
end goal, like your end dream job? Or is it I just I just assume it has to be higher because you keep wanting to double your salary. <laughs> and before you answer that, can we make this a double question? Because I love that question, Anita. But I also want to say, what is your end goal? Like Anita said, or, or what is your goal now? But I would also like to know, has your goal changed in the last couple of years? Like I, I know a lot of people when they go from making, let's assume you were making 30 or 40K and then you switch careers and you made 60K and then you waited a couple of years in and you're making over double that. Like that's insane. So a lot of times when people are in a place where they're making 30 to 40,000, their goals are very much about making more, making more, making more. So I would love to know on top of Anita's question about, you know, what are your goals now? I would love to know if what your goals are have changed in the last couple of years. Yeah, my goals have shifted. I think at the beginning of my Salesforce career, I was just only really thinking about the um, earnings potential. But then when I started to kind of incorporate all the other fringe benefits, as you've, you you called it, uh, like the remote work and the flexibility, I just started to realize that I also really value happiness and connection with other people. So on top of you know increasing my salary, my goals have also shifted to just increasing my happiness and to the point of like goal setting, I, I do operate from a bottom up perspective in the sense that instead of trying to like reach goals, I try and build habits that naturally lead me to a goal. So I don't think about it as like, oh, I'm going to try and hit $200,000. I'm just going to do things that will lead me to eventually hit $2,000. So that way, it's not an active pursuit of trying to make more money. It's more of like a passive my day-to-day is built around like, eventually I'll get there. But the place that I will get to is a place of more happiness. And, you know, there might be an opportunity to hit that that 200K mark. So yeah, that's how my goals have shifted. Uh, Definitely opportunity for you to hit that 200K mark. I definitely see that happening for you, Denison. You're such a hard worker. Thank you. What about you, Anita? Like, I know you've shared your story publicly and you, you don't have to share it again, but have your goals shifted from pre-Salesforce career and sort of your money mindset? Has that shifted at all since being in the ecosystem now for a couple of years? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm like, I'm in a job that I didn't even know existed. My title now is Scrum Master. I mean, that's a nickname for my dog, Scrum's Master. <laughs> like, it has changed. I mean, my goal going in, I heard your story and I was like, oh, 200K working 20 hours a week. Yeah, that's my goal. But now there are so many new types of roles I'm learning. Even to this day, today I learned about new things, new focuses, new specialties that like, I don't know what I'm doing in the next year. I just know I'm probably going to change my mind a couple of times. So like Denison said, just trying to build good habits now that will eventually like build a strong base so I'll be ready for whatever comes my way next. I love that. Like I really do. I think I got more intentional towards the end of my career about getting more involved, even when I worked in uh, consultancies and I was supposed to be a solution architect, right? I was supposed to be working on deliverables and actually building inside the orgs and writing out solution documents and things like that. And I would ask to join in on sales calls or ask to get involved with marketing I just wanted to really know the business inside and out because I always thought like I hear people talk all the time about, I want to be an independent consultant. I want to be a freelancer. How do I get started? And it's the same with anything. And I call this career design and it's where whatever you want to do, like if you think you want to be a photographer, then it's probably best 
to first work under a photographer and truly understand the ins and outs of how do they get customers and how do they do great work and how do they edit their photos and where do they go and when do they go and just learn the business before you try to do it on your own. And to me, I knew at some point I wanted to do independent consulting because I knew that it would add more flexibility to my life. And I also knew I would get to charge closer to the rates that the consultancies charged, right? Like if I could charge 200 an hour like they do, then I could work 40 hours a week and make $400,000 a year. Like that's crazy. And instead I transferred that over and I said, you know what? Money's not what I need anymore. And I know for a lot of listeners, they're like, are you kidding me? Money is all that I need. Like, will you guys stop talking about this epiphany moment where money is not the most important thing in your life anymore. And that's what happens in a very short period of time when you get to a point where you have this choice of, I'm making, say, $120,000, $150,000. Do I want to make two hundred dollars or $250,000? And is that my primary goal? Or like Dennison was saying, is my primary goal to add more value to my life? And for me, that was as soon as my daughter was on her way, it was like priorities immediately shifted. And I was so fortunate to be in a position where I was already making great money. So it was like, you know what? I don't need to make more and more and more money. I need to figure out a time, a way that I can design my life. And so I knew that digging in and becoming an independent consultant and really understanding the ins and outs of how the consultancy worked that I worked at would be my quickest path to success there. And it worked out way better than I clearly thought it would. I never thought we'd be in the position we are in now. And I never thought that people like Dennison and Anita would have opportunities like they do now. So it's been really incredible to see that come to life. So I wanted to ask a question for the audience's benefit. Dennison, I know it's been a while, but can you give some advice for those either job searching for an admin or just their first week as an admin? If you could go back and give your younger self advice, what would you say to them or yourself? I would say lean into your network of other people who are in the same journey as you. You know, it's it's tough. Like I remember thinking back at the time that I was applying, I was like, I don't know if I'll get a position. And then just seeing all these other people who are also trying, it was, it was really motivating getting to see like all these people succeeding. And it really motivated me at least to be like, okay, it'll be my turn one day. And just kind of like everyone's rooting for each other in this ecosystem. I know in other industries, it might be a little bit more cutthroat, but here at Salesforce, people are, are rooting for each other. And then I guess on the more practical side, I would tell myself, you know, try and build out a portfolio. I was a little bit late on that, but you know, if you can squeeze that in, build out a portfolio and work on like practicing your your storytelling and like what other experiences you have in the past that you could really bring into a Salesforce role. Um, just being able to showcase that and bring that to life. And yeah, I, I mean, I had the Talent Stacker program to, to kind of help guide me to that. I know it, it seems simple hearing it like, oh yeah, just, you know, work on your storytelling and like work on your LinkedIn. But, you know, at the time I, I had no idea what Salesforce was. And it was just kind of great to have that that guidance because I, I didn't have the, the vocabulary for it. I just had my previous industry experience, which, you know, massage therapy and industrial engineering, like very different things that you have to bring to the table when you're job hunting. <laughs> Amazing plug. Guys, I did, I did not ask him to say that, but thank you, Dennison. 
<laughs> Shout out to Talent Sacker. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I got you. That's it. That's the key. It, you didn't hear it from us. <laughs> yeah, I also very much appreciate that. And I want to say too, you talked about coming from your background and feeling unrelated. I, I think that ties in very well to you know, letting people know that we do have a lot more free resources available that we didn't have when Denison and when Anita were joining. I mean, like they said, like, <laughs> I think Anita was member number six and Denison mentioned, I think it was 55. And, you know, that was very early on. That was in within, I would say, the first few months of operating the program. That would have been a couple of years ago now. And since then, you know, we have so many more resources available because we're so much more aware of what people need. And I would point out that if you go to talentstacker.com forward slash community, that's going to show you a few different backgrounds that you might be able to relate to. So right now I know we have available uh, like healthcare and blue collar educators, and I believe nonprofits. And if we don't have them already, I know we have them in the works right now, and they're going to be coming out in the next 30 days. And that's military, stay-at-home parents, college alternatives, and a couple more. So I would highly recommend head over to talentstacker.com forward slash community, and you're going to be able to find a compilation of free resources and community groups that are available to people who align with your background. And that can make it a lot easier to understand how to translate what you do today into a tech career. So hopefully that helps. All right. And... If you're interested in getting started in a Salesforce career, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to join the free five-day challenge. And I just want to say, Denison, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, just like other people in the Salesforce ecosystem, if you have any questions or just want to chat, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only person named Denison and Dad, but I don't want to jinx it. So thanks again. Yeah, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on once again. Thank you so much for being so giving to the community and willing to let people just reach out to you on LinkedIn. So we'll be sure to add a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes so people can find you and just you know say thanks or maybe ask you a question. And for everyone listening, if you're getting value from the show and you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and leave us a review. We really appreciate that. And if you can leave a written review, feel free to ask any questions that you have or leave feedback about the show. And we'll do our best to make it just a little bit better every time. If you would like the chance to have your question read aloud or played aloud on the show on one of our Q&A episodes, feel free to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail. And you can leave us a voicemail there and we will make sure to get that question answered. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you on next week's episode. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.